It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. here at fantasypoints.com my name is joe dolan and we've made our way through six of the eight divisions in the nfl in our franchise focus podcast series only eight podcasts left to go i can't believe it uh it's been a grind it's been um challenging it's been a lot of fun most of all and while we're going to get to the nfc south here in just a little bit if you're listening to this podcast whether it's july 19th up into the 23rd go to data.fantasypoints.com for our data suite free preview you can access it without a login we believe this is going to be a tool that is going to absolutely revolutionize the fantasy football industry, and we're really just getting it off the ground floor now. We have so much more planned, and we're really excited to show it to you. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have any interest in NFL statistics, uh, high-level DFS research, high-level betting research, or really you're just an NFL nerd and want to know who the best quarterback in home games in 15-mile-an-hour wins was – in terms of yards per attempt, you can do that with the Fantasy Points Data Suite. So I really encourage you to check that out. And if you're listening to this after July 23rd, you can sign up for the Data Suite and get a free seven-day trial. So we're giving everybody the opportunity to look at the Data Suite and say, you know what, this is for me. I really want to be in on this. And also give you an opportunity to say, you know what, maybe maybe this is just a little too in-depth for me, but you can check it out for free. And if you do decide to purchase the Data Suite package, well, it's $50 for 2023, down from what we expect to be the regular price going forward of $200. So it's 75% off. It's going to be updated weekly with our native charted stats. Um, I, I'm really excited to show everybody the Fantasy Points Data Suite, and I really hope you check it out. But if you're here, you're listening, you're listening for some NFC South franchise focus information, and I'm pleased to give that to you right now. Welcome back to the Franchise Focus Podcast. This one has been hard to come by. Uh, we've tried inside, we've tried outside, we've tried computers, we've tried phones. His name is John Ellis. He is the host of the Roar Panthers Podcast. He is also the Panthers reporter for WRFX 99.7, the flagship station of the Carolina Panthers. You can follow him on Twitter at One Panther Place. John, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Hopefully this time we're actually going to get to record it, but it's it's good to talk to you, my friend. It, it, we're, we're streaming good so far. So far, so good. I, I'm used to the world of radio, as you know, and these things are much smoother in a studio. I'm in my kitchen surrounded by two new kittens, so we might have a few extra guests uh, today. We'll see what happens, but it's good to be with you, Joe. It's football season. Let's talk it, man. Yeah, John, you were worried about the kittens being on the podcast. As a matter of fact, if the kittens end up on the podcast, I'm going to make sure my social guy posts the video. So uh, we're going to yes, <laughs> that'll get uh, that'll oh. get the the people going. Funny story: I was on a, a undisclosed podcast for another team in the AFC about a year ago, and th this guy was very intense. Where he was giving me the Chick Hearn signal, like it, literally, like talk, don't talk, talk, don't talk. Oh my! And, my daughter came in the room behind. Me. I tried to make a funny bit out of it. He's like, "We got to scrap the whole thing and do it over." It's like, "I'm your, I'm your guest. <laughs> I, I know you better, Joe. You're good people." <laughs> no, like that'll be that'll be great. Like uh, know, things right? happen. 
we have my dogs. If you guys know, maybe you watch the Ross Tucker podcast, or sometimes if you did the Fantasy Points Daily lineup, I have my dogs in the background. People love them. They're they're my co-hosts. So anyway, John, um, interesting times in Carolina. Um, Bryce Young's the new quarterback. We know that there was a trade-up to get him. My assertion all along was after watching Bryce Young, after studying Bryce Young, after listening to Bryce Young talk, I was always of the mind that whichever team passed on Bryce Young was going to regret passing on Bryce Young. Turns out the Carolina Panthers didn't pass on Bryce Young. When did you know he was going to be the guy? And was he the guy that Panther fans kind of wanted all along? Well, I mean, knowing and, and anticipating are two different things, obviously. But I, I, the minute they made the trade with the Bears, uh, our, our good buddy uh, EJ Snyder from Blue Lake Football was on my radio show that day. He's a big Bears guy. So about 10 minutes before all this broke uh, on NFL Network, EJ got off the phone. <laughs> and the breaking news comes through that the Bears have traded the number one pick to the Panthers. I think at that point, most people who cover the team – you know, they were going to go through the process, and they did, and it was exhaustive. And I think that was a good exercise not only to analyze quarterbacks, but to bond this new unit together along with David and Nicole Tepper, get on the road, scout Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, uh, C.J. Stroud. But I, I had a feeling, as, as well as my co-host Billy Marshall on the Roar podcast, much like you, that not only probably would it be Bryce – uh, if they didn't go that direction, no offense to the other quarterbacks, it, it might be something they regret because his tape is is really special, Joe. I know he's got slight of frame issues, and we'll talk about that, but that tape is Joe Burrow type of special. Yeah. I think it's f- funny, like, when, when we think Panther quarterbacks, obviously Cam Newton is the first that comes to mind, and Bryce Young's about half his size. But the games are very <laughs> different as well. I mean, Bryce, yeah. this – now, Bryce, you know, I think – when you think of a pure pocket passer, I think maybe a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning might be the first thing that comes to mind. I don't think Bryce isn't going to be a statue in the pocket. He can move, but the pocket is where he is where he wins from. He's kind of an he's a distributor. He's an executor. I think it's going to be a really interesting marriage with Frank Wright. Absolutely. Uh, one of your good friends, Greg Cosell, and I talked a while back on my podcast, and Greg made a great point about analyzing the quarterback position, and he had a conversation with Troy Aikman a long time ago, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, part of the issue is, look, you can have all the things in the world, a rock of an arm, you can throw the ball 70 yards from your knees. If you can't put it where it's supposed to go, you've got nothing. And I think that's what Bryce gives you here. You know, A lot of it was made about, I come back to Joe Burrow, but a lot was made of his tape coming out. I know there's different frame issues there and all that, but in terms of processing, you mentioned mobility. Pocket mobility is so important. Some of the greats to do it, Burrow comes to mind, is probably, I would say, him and Mahomes the best in the game right now in terms of negotiating in short area space in a phone booth, if you will. And I think that's what Bryce gives you. I'm excited to watch it. I will say that there are reservations, even from scouts I've talked to, even from you know people that used to play the game about his frame and it's not the it's not the height it's it's obviously the shoulders and the frame and the kind of hits he might take in this league if you got a Vitavea coming bearing down on you and sitting on you at 350 pounds but he had some hits in Alabama he recovered nicely from those and I think the key here is just continue to move the pocket he's a great distributor he is a very accurate passer he's got more than enough arm strength on the boundary is it going to be Josh Allen lasers no but it doesn't have to be in this offense it's Frank Reich 
So Frank Reich is the new head coach. Um, you and I actually have had a discussion about Frank Reich being the head coach. Um, I came on on your show um, in, in the Upstate, and yep. what has Frank Reich been talking about with this offense? What kind of gravitas does he give the room um, following the Matt Rule disaster? Yeah, I mean, it's just a total 180, Joe. And again, we're not here to disparage Matt Rule. He's off to Nebraska, and that's where he belongs. But uh, you know, I've been a pretty tough critic on this team over the past few years, uh, namely the the head coach and his staff for some of the decisions. And I think it, it really is it, – it is a great example of how stark the contrast is between the college game and the pro game. It was a, a very interesting case study, and that's how I came away from that. Fans out there, I know they were frustrated. They, they were a lot of things that happened behind the scenes that you hear, and the, the fans were not happy about how Matt conducted himself, not as a pro. I mean, it was a different situation than Urban Meyer, but I'm talking about handling players, managing players. There were signs that said, DBO, don't beat ourselves at training camp. And he had veterans running gassers after fall starts. And and those are things I don't think you're going to see from a Frank Reich. Uh, Our good friend Mike Kay from the Charlotte Observer did a piece at at charlotteobserver.com, and he's on our show quite a bit on Fox Sports Upstate. And Mike does a great job. in an interview with Tommy Trimble, the third-year tight end. And Tommy pretty much said, paraphrasing here, like, we're finally getting real coaching in terms of the passing game. And that was really lacking. You could see it at training camp. You could see it at practice. Frank has a staff that, uh, to me, look, I don't know if Frank's going to be the best head coach in Panthers history. But collectively, I think this is the most accomplished staff they've ever had together. With Caldwell, with Dom Capers as the old heads, and then Ajiro Evero, Thomas Brown, Deuce Staley, the list goes on and on. Sean Jefferson. So, yeah, I think it's a total 180, and I applaud uh, David Tepper as hard as we may have been on him in the early years for making the move when he did. Steve Wilkes did a hell of a job. I think he could have made a great case for him, but I think moving towards the offensive side is what they were always going to do, and I I don't think you could have done much better than Frank Reich and the staff he brought with him. So um, you mentioned Deuce Staley, which I think is is interesting from a fantasy perspective because we obviously know Deuce's background. He he coached in Philadelphia. He coached in um, in Detroit. Miles Sanders makes the move over from Philadelphia, and good for Miles. I was uh, like, I was thrilled for him to get a four year contract. And I look at the rest of this running back depth chart. You know, you got Chuba Hubbard, Raheem Blackshear is here. There's really not a whole lot behind Miles. Um, Deuce is known, and so is Frank Reich, known for kind of rotating running backs. And, you know, Frank Reich, to a fault early in Jonathan Taylor's career, was forcing other guys into the backfield. Uh, but right now, this seems to me, this is Miles Sanders' backfield. What are they saying about Miles Sanders? Do they think he can be a three-down back that maybe Philly didn't think he was? Yeah, I think so, Joe. I think, you know, you look at the early portion of his career, his rookie season, I think he caught over 50 balls. And that sort of trended down over the past few years for a lot of reasons, but he can do it. He's got the skill set coming out of college to, to catch the ball out of the space, to, to run the swing routes, run the screen game. Uh, you know, I don't think you're going to see a McCaffrey type of impact on, on that level, but I think he's more than capable. Chuba Hubbard, look, he struggled with his hands, so I don't think if you're a fantasy owner or just a fan of the team to expect a lot in the passing game from him, but he's got good vision, a nice little burst there. Blackshear was interesting. He came on last year. He's a drafted kid out of Virginia Tech, and he really had some nice games for us down the stretch in Carolina. And I think here's a name to remember, uh, LaVisca Chenault. I know he's listed as a wide receiver, but in the fantasy world, you know, everything sort of moves uh, very fluidly. And I think 
Chenault could be a player that, even though he's listed where he is at wide receiver, could get some traditional touches out of the backfield. You get him on some jet sweeps, I know that, but Curtis Samuel did this a few years ago in Carolina. They could line him up maybe four or five times you know, a game at times and use him as a traditional back. If it works, I think they might try to do that in the preseason at camp a little bit, see how it takes. But, yeah, I think it's interesting because you, you mentioned Deuce and, and this staff, and, and I think they like to rotate. But you're right, there's not a lot behind Miles. But, again, he rushed for 1,200-plus yards last year. I think you just give him the mail and let him do his job. So I, I, I hate to do this, but I do want to back up a little bit because I was reminded of a comment that Miles Sanders recently made about Andy Dalton. Um, I think Miles <laughs> Sanders called him a future Hall of Famer, which, hey, good good, good for you, Miles. Um, what are the chances, right? Yeah, great teammate. What are the chances yeah. Bryce Young is not the week one starting quarterback for the Panthers? Uh, zero. I mean, yeah. look, to me, it, it, I like Andy. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's going to be very good. A lot was made about that signing at, at first and where he was in the depth chart. And, and Panthers fans have been scarred for three years. So, Joe, you understand the initial reaction was, let's panic. Oh, no, Andy, yeah. Andy Dalton's the starter. Let's – Andy Dalton was never going to be the starter long-term here. Now, if something comes up, it's, you know, a long summer. we got Wofford coming up. If, if, if he, you know, jams his finger, God forbid, or something happens to Bryce, then Andy's right there. I think it's a good move. Right. Not only from a veteran perspective, but the fact that Justin Fields has been on the record praising Andy Dalton for helping his development, helping him in that time in Chicago. Andy's a selfless guy. He's not necessarily, even though, you know, he's been talking about I'm one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the league. Well, you know, maybe that's true. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks out there. It might be. But yeah. I, I will say this, that there's no real true push by Andy to try to overtake this job other than just good competition. And I think that's what you're going to see in camp. I thought it was a really good signing and uh, it's good insurance if something happens. So obviously the big, the big cost for getting Bryce Young um, draft picks are always part of trades like that, but the big cost of getting him was, was moving on from DJ Moore. Um, and, and we can talk about DJ who dealt with terrible quarterback play throughout his Panthers tenure. Panthers fans would agree with that. Um, yeah. But that does leave a void and the, the Panthers have kind of piecemealed it together. How do you expect this, this receiving quarter shakeout two veteran signings, uh, Adam Thielen and DJ Chark. I presume those guys are going to start, but how do you, how do you think this receiving core is going to shake out? Uh, and is there a big competition in training camp to fill it? Yeah, I think, you know, with Frank, it's interesting the way they run that offense with some of the triangle read stuff. You get a lot of good short area acumen with Adam Thielen. Now, he can still take you deep over the top when he needs to, but he is so good. Still, he's had 30 touchdowns the last three years. So we forget that with all they've gone through in Minnesota with Jefferson and then Diggs' exit a couple years ago. I think Thielen in the red zone will be tremendous in terms of what he brings. Veteran leadership, he's already right there with, with some of the other guys. Terrace Marshall, I think, could have a breakout season for this team. I think he showed some flashes last year when, when Matt Rule was dismissed. You know, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Steve Wilkes and some of the staffers said, look, it's time to get this guy the rock. Time to start getting the young guys the ball. And they got him involved. And Chark, we saw him in Carolina in that Detroit game on Christmas Eve. He can still take the top off. He's just got to stay healthy. You've got Shai Smith, who's a good slot receiver. They brought in Demir Bird, who we saw last year with Carolina, can still take you for 50, 60 yards. So it is kind of – it's, it's not want to say hodgepodge. I don't want to insult these guys, but it is not an elite collection of guys. But I think the group, the, 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 the whole group is better than the individual parts there, if you will. 
And if you look at like the parallels between what Frank has learned through Doug Peterson, who learned a lot through Andy Reid, you look at it's sort of a mini version of what they're going through right now in Kansas City. There's no, no true number one, but hey, they're going to make that quarterback go through his reads, process everything. And we'll get to another guy uh, in Hurston a little bit who I think can can benefit greatly from a rookie quarterback who who will need a safety valve. What happened with Harris Marshall? Was he just somebody who never was able to get off like that Matt Rule Schneid that you kind of alluded to earlier? Well, I mean, you know, anytime you got a rookie coming in, there's no matter who the coach is, there's a learning curve, and we know that. I think Matt just from looking back and that staff had a hard time with continuity, first of all, because they fired Joe Brady early in that tenure. They bring in Ben McAdoo, who has a different set of ideas. In the middle of that was Jeff Nixon calling plays, and it was just hard to get Terrace settled in with all that going on. You've got different systems, different language. And I think Matt, one of the complaints folks had about him, fans in general, and some of the media was guys like Brady Christensen, Terrace Marshall, uh, were, were not getting the reps they needed early on in their career, when really, if you're in a rebuild mode, no better time than the present to get, get them in. But they were still you know, putting some of the veterans in that clearly were not as highly productive or had the high ceiling that a guy like Terrace has. I think he's, you know, when you watch him in person, again, Musin Muhammad comes to mind. The early career of Muhammad here in Carolina was very similar. Took him a little bit time to get off the runway, but by 98, 99, he was a perennial eight, 900 yard receiver. And I think that's about what Marshall can give you on a good season. And this offense, you know, the ball's going to go around. So it's hard to get one guy, you know, 91 catches for, you know, 1400 yards, but, I think Marshall can be a 70-target type of guy this year and then maybe grab 50 catches and give you, you know, six, 700 yards. The first-round pick is is Bryce Young, and it's always very interesting when the next draft pick is a wide receiver. That's Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss. Um, I think he was kind of a polarizing prospect. Um, that There were some who said you could see some A.J. Brown in his game. Others didn't like him as much. Uh, what did you see from Mingo? What have the Panthers said about Mingo? And is he going to have an opportunity to earn a role uh, right from day one. Well, Mingo was one of the top 30 visits to Carolina. And, you know, Scott Fitter had dropped what we thought was an Easter egg the week before the draft. And, you know, one of the wide receivers that came to town had a great visit. And, uh, you know, speculation was that Mingo was that wide receiver. And so they liked his personality, liked his composition mentally, psychologically. They obviously like his physical makeup. When I watch him play, some, some people have compared him to Debo Samuel in terms of how he plays the game. I see Anquan Bolden, and again, we do the comps mm. all the time, but I, I just see a guy that can play the power slot. He's physical. He, he can make acrobatic catches. Now, we try not to get too excited because the college game, there's a real steep learning curve. But for the wide receiver position, much like the, the position of running back, some of these guys can step right in and produce year one. It's easier than other positions. So I think a lot of folks down here are excited about Mingo because he really does have the physical NFL makeup from season one to come right in and win matchups. He's got good speed, good speed off the line, good ability to win at the point of attack. And I think with this offense, you need a guy like that. So I know this is kind of hard, but we're in the fantasy industry and projection is a big part of the fantasy industry. If you had to take a guess which of these receivers would lead this team in receiving yards this year? Man, that's so tough this year. It's And I know I'm going to take a stab at it because there's so many options. Um, I would still say Thielen. I still think he's got it. Now, if Chark stays healthy throughout the season, if you, if you can get Chark, you know, 16, 17, at least 15 games under his belt, 
I could see a thousand from him. I, you know, I, I really do. Now, in terms of receiving yards, it, it could be Chark, but I think touchdowns could be Thielen just because if they get in the red zone, he was so good last year on tape, and he still got it in terms of winning those matchups inside, outside. Um, I would say yardage right now, it's a toss up between Thielen and Chark, but I don't know if anybody's going to go over a thousand. I think it could be a collection yeah. of you know, maybe four or five, six guys with anywhere between four or five hundred and up to maybe nine fifty. And of course, you got to factor in, you know, tight end production, and then you got to factor in what I think will be a little more production than usual from Miles Sanders in the receiving game. What's the outlook for the offensive line here in Iki Aquanu's second year? Yeah, uh, Joe, very good offensive line. They've come a long way. I was looking at tape uh, back in the archives from 2021, and it was some of the worst pass protection I've ever seen, and I'm reminded how bad it was when I go compare it to last year. And I I think a big part of that was James Campen, who was brought in a couple of years ago to manage this offensive line. Done a great job. Now, Icky, you know, he had some struggles early on. We're going to see that from time to time, but I think this is his year to sort of step up and cement himself as one of the top ten left tackles in this league, if he hasn't already. It, you know, any rookie, you've seen guys over the years have these growing pains and they blossom into something. You also have the option, and again, I don't want to say this is going to happen, but we talked about this during the draft process. He's got the ability to kick inside the guard if it doesn't work out. And I don't think it's going to happen right away, but if it just doesn't take over the next two or three years, I think he can say, you've seen Eric Flowers and others kick inside and still be very effective on the offensive line. But I think he's a left tackle of the future right now. Uh, they drafted Zavala out of NC State, who I love. I, I think there's a lot of talk about maybe him shifting to left guard. But the problem there is, you know, Brady Christensen had a nice season on the left side. He's more comfortable on the left side. On the right side, Austin Corbett, one of the most underrated guards, I think, in the league, who's played like, I don't know, 5,000 snaps over the past four years. He's part of the world champion Rams. He's coming back from injury. He might not be ready week one. So Cade May steps in, who we've talked about with Greg Cosell on our podcast, as one of his sleeper picks for being you know, a guy that can start in this league. And then Bradley Bozeman, they re-signed the center there. Uh, they signed him from Baltimore two years ago. We love Bose. We think he's great. And then Taylor Moten, right tackle, dependable. You can count on him. So I think now, now you're in a situation where Cam Irving used to be the starting left tackle. Now he's your swing tackle. That's what you want. You want guys that are veterans who have the ability to come in and play spot duty to have a jumbo package they like to use. I don't know if they'll still do that, but that's what you want. You want some you know, your, your, your sixth or seventh offensive lineman to have quality snaps in this league, and now they finally have the depth of crew to do it that way. So I think Panthers fans are feeling about as good as they can right now about their offensive line, a spot of bother for the better part of a decade, to be honest, Joe. And now I'm going to kind of wrap this all up. Like the offensive line is good. Obviously, I thought Bryce Young was the right pick. And the one thing you can definitely say about Matt Rule and and his tenure, you know, I remember his first draft when he was the head coach. Every single pick was made on defense. And I look yeah. at the where this roster is strong. And then I look at the NFC South. Is a division title out of the question given – like, like, look, if we put them in the NFC East, they're probably not beating the Eagles. You put them in the West, they're not probably not beating the 49ers. But this is the NFC South. Is it out of the question this year, John? And can Panther fans be excited? They should be excited. There's, there's nothing out of the question here. This division is wide open. Now, I like what the Saints did with Derek Carr. I think that's about as good as they could have done given their situation, and that makes them better than they were last year. Does it make them that much better than everybody else? I don't think so. Here's how I see the division right now. Again, this is subject change. On Fox Sports Update this week, we're making our picks. So, you know, it's probably going to be a hot mess, but we'll see how it goes. 
I've got them around nine, maybe 10 wins this year, Carolina. I think they take some of the momentum from last year. Again, it's a different staff. But you got to remember that team played much different the second half of the season with a lot of the same parts than they did the first half. They trended up. The team, I think, in this division that can surprise a lot of people is Atlanta. I, I like Arthur Smith a lot. Now, I know the big question is Desmond Ritter, but I like some of their offensive components. I like their offensive line. They've made some great additions on defense. But Carolina in particular, you look at the defense, you mentioned that. They now have guys on all three levels who can really be talked about as, you know, one of the 10 best players of their position. Brian Burns, Derek Brown up front. You've got what I think still is a very solid linebacker in Shaq Thompson, along with Frankie Louvu, who is criminally underrated at linebacker. And then the secondary, if they stay healthy, and it's always health, Joe, this is a big key. You've got now Von Bell in the mix in this three safety set they're going to play with Jeremy Chin, who's going to drop down a little bit from time to time, play a little backer, play a little safety, and Xavier Woods. And it's all about J.C. Horn opposite Dante Jackson. Can those two guys give us maybe at least 15 games together? Like the offensive line did last year. If you can get those two corners together for the bulk of the season, which we have not seen since Horn entered the league, Look out, because Evero is all about coverage. He's all about quarters. He's all about you know winning in the back end. So I think it's exciting for Panthers fans. It's all about health, man. We hope Horn in particular can stay healthy. So, John, I've been wrapping up all of these podcasts by asking uh, my guest, a potential under-the-radar player on, on the ro- corresponding roster who might contribute for fantasy. Who do you think that is for the Panthers? I think it's Hayden Hurst. Honestly, you know, because not a lot of people talk about this uh, veteran tight end now who's had time with uh, a couple of teams in this league, uh, most recently Cincinnati. When you go to Cincinnati, you don't get a lot of targets. You know how that is. You got a lot of guys around you, probably the best three in the league in terms of receiving. So he's capable. Now, he's not Greg Olson, but he's good enough down the hash to present a challenge. And I think in this offense, you see a little bit of that Doug Peterson flavor. You saw what Evan Ingram was able to do last year. In Jacksonville, I see a lot of the same concepts coming into play with Hayden Hurst, and I think he can be a guy, again, maybe 50 catches, maybe seven, 800 yards. If you know, one of these receivers goes down, he can give you maybe seven, eight touchdowns. Big target in the red zone. He showed it last year in the playoffs. He's done this over the course of his career, and I think this is his breakout season. Now, how high can that ceiling be? It's just it's going to depend on how much they distribute the ball to the tight end, but I think you're talking about touchdowns, red zone production. That's a rookie quarterback's best friend, Joe. We saw season one for Cam Newton here. Much different player, but again, it's a rookie. He leaned on not only Greg Olson, but Jeremy Shockey in year one. So I think this is a great move by Carolina to upgrade that position. His name is John Ellis. He hosts the Roar podcast about the Carolina Panthers. 99.7 WRFX Panthers reporter. John, you've got Fox Sports Upstate. You've got all the shows. I'm, I'm sure I'll be on soon at one panther place on twitter john thanks for doing everything it took to record this podcast i appreciate it, my, my my pleasure joe it's always fun to be on and i love your show man if you are listening to this we obviously have just released the uh fantasy points data suite which is fantastic john by the way reach out to me i'll hook you up with it after the uh after after the show right. um yes. uh, i hope everybody enjoys that i hope everybody's enjoyed this franchise focus podcast series it has been a massive grind for me um but it's a grind that has been well worth it Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I'll catch you later. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. 